This week on Backyard Footy. Yeah, I mean, we're no, we're no longer in the days where uh, <clears throat> we're just going to show up and win CONCACAF games. I think that's very obvious. Um, the world's catching up. The world's catching up. And a lot of it is just because the world is more accessible. But a lot of it is, you know, the influence of the MLS, in my opinion, in, in CONCACAF specifically. Because you got guys that are playing for other national teams that we're competing with to get to a World Cup who, at the end of the day, are making bunches of money in MLS and playing week in, week out, and are really um, benefiting from, you know, this American League, um, which is, you know, for the MLS, that's great. Like, that's exactly what they want. They want to be the best league, um, and so they're just going to get the best players regardless of where they come from. But I think that the American soccer player can't get left behind. What's up, footy fans? Welcome to the 24th episode of Backyard Footy with your host, Hugh Roberts, where each episode I dive into the backgrounds, journeys, and experiences of professional athletes, former athletes, and anyone that's been involved with the game. So I'm doing something different now with uh, Aaron Mound. He was on episode 23. If you haven't listened to it, please go check it out. Listen to his story. We're not really going to dive into a story here. We're just going to straight up debate, talk. I feel like I really haven't had a chance to just talk myself. I'm usually doing the interviewing of other guests, so... This is just a chance for you guys to get to know me as well, and just for us to just talk about current soccer topics. So, without further ado, yeah, what's good, my gene? What's going on? So, how you been, though? How you been enjoying the year? Yeah, man, things have been good. Charlotte's been a new, a new wave. Um, completely different than, you know, what I'm used to. I've never been in the South like this before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a whole different beast. This summer here. was no joke, bro. <laughs> The heat's crazy down here, man. The heat is crazy. So, but it's been good. I mean, you know, besides the stuff that's going on with the team, like, you know, we've been pretty up and down. But uh, I'm trying to let that affect, you know, how I view a a city. It's hard not to sometimes, though, because it's what we do every day. Mm -hmm. But to have a balance of being in a nice city like this, able to just clear your mind sometimes and enjoy off the field too if it wasn't the case then you'd be losing your mind sometimes yeah that's one of the hardest parts yeah it's just being able to separate you know what happens at the job with the rest of the life it's tough anyways yeah Charlotte's been love I'm I'm down here living in the south end yeah me too Um, we live down the street from each other and shit yeah it's been dope man how you been liking it yeah I've been loving it though I mean we don't live too far from Uptown. Uptown's cool. It's a slower pace than up north, but that's cool, too. I wanted a different pace. Um, but, I mean, just the culture in general, the culture down here, you feel the love. And I feel like because of the slower pace, because of, like, the history within this city and area and stuff, like, it's, def- it's definitely more welcoming. I feel like the southern hospitality a little bit, mm-hmm. which is nice. I mean, me coming from being in Pittsburgh, being in Philly, and Philly's a little more, you know, aggressive some, and mm-hmm. and then... DC is kind of similar as well. I mean, but not nah, down here. It's the furthest I've lived down, furthest I've lived from home, but it's been good. It's been love. I, I can walk down the streets at night and you know feel safe, kind of vibe. And so everyone here has been friendly. Food's been yeah. There's some food down here. Man. I feel like I haven't even touched everywhere either. You've been yeah. you guys been going to a lot more places than I've been. Well, it's the thing around here. It's not like the places that are dope aren't really the places that are like 
you know, mainstream, right, you know, like right, uptown. Right, like right, you got to go right. to like the west side right. to get some like soul food type of right. type of stuff. And then you got to go deep in the cut to get some Jamaican stuff. Like the food that I like is not gonna be, you know, right here in the South End to be honest. Then you but, meet somebody randomly and they're working on the spot, and then all of a sudden, like, they open your eyes to like something you've never seen before. For real. How how would you rank uh, Charlotte? And mm-hmm. with all the cities that you, you've lived in. That's what I'm always asking myself. So I've lived in Richmond, Philly, Pittsburgh, and now here. <laughs> this man thinking about his job. And- <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> you can be honest, bro. This is the place to be honest. Um, <laughs> different times in my life, though. That's the I thing. I feel that. That's real. Like... Because Richmond was much of my early youth days. This, this, in Philly, I was living in the streets of Philly. But the soccer on the field wasn't the best either. So that, like, tainted it a little bit. Um, I say this is, like, top two, bro. It's top, top two. two. Top two. And what's the other one? Philly's up there, too. Yeah. It's a, it's a top of Richmond up there, to be honest. But okay. the river might separate Richmond because the river is very unique in Richmond. And it's, like, a night, like, everyone on like a Sunday would just go down to the river, bring drinks, cool it on the boulders. You can even go on the river if you want to. People, like, float down the river. Like, it's an actual thing to do and an actual vibe. Talk to me about so, Richmond because... Because Richmond, I've, I've been hearing stuff more and more every day about this place, Richmond. I know, you, you know, I, I do the, I do like real estate stuff on the mm. side or whatever. But Richmond, everyone's like, you know, tired of the D.C. market. Everyone's like, yo, Richmond is a spot. It's right there and they're going to build, I think, a metro system from Richmond to D.C. Because it's a straight shot down 95. I used to commute from school back and forth three, four times a week. Just a straight shot. But yeah, it's a growing city. I mean, it's young because VCU's there, the University of Richmond's there. But it's smaller than Charlotte, but it's still big enough where there's plenty of do. You have uh, the fan area, which is like, I'd say that's let's be like your south end, mm-hmm. but it's like up north. So What's everyone, it called? Uh, the fan. Okay. It's because like, if you look on a map, there's a city here, and then the highways that like, go around and open up like a fan. So that's where like the young housing is for like VCU, but then it's like, like it'll be like your brunch kind of vibe. Then you have VCU in the middle of the whole city. Then you have downtown, which is be like the clubs and stuff too. And then there's like there's culture too. You keep going called the bottom, Chaco Bottom. That's would be like more of your culture okay. things like uh, the murals and stuff. And oh, it's like a heavy vibe kind of, but it's still cool though. The sports, where everyone knows a sports team and there's a minor league baseball team, but everyone knows the kickers because of the youth team. But literally almost everyone pretty much played for the kickers, and everyone stays in like the same area, so they grow up playing the same system. Mm-hmm. But it was love from the jump, man. A good three years. Okay. A good three years. What about what about you though? Uh, Where you rank yours? Well, I've been in. Started off, got drafted to Toronto, and then I got traded to Salt Lake. Was there for five years. So, and then went from Salt Lake to Vancouver, and now I'm here. So, those four cities. Hmm. Man, that's tough because, like you said, I'm 21 years old in Toronto. And that's a whole different thing. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I appreciate that city for a whole, you know, different. Because I, 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 it was my first city where I'm on my own. Yeah. I'm in a I'm big saying. city. I'm just learning about myself, learning how I want to move, what crowds I'm trying to be in and, and all that. And Toronto was dope because it gave me all them options. Like, you, if you want to do this, if you want this kind of vibe in Toronto, you have that. If you want this kind of vibe in Toronto, you have that. Like, it's multi, multicultural in the sense that... There's all these different pockets that are like 
vibrant and cool and like where people want to be but you know there's 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 all you know there's, there's options yeah. you know yeah. and and compared to like Salt Lake a place like that there's not mm. that many options you know mm. you kind of like all right well, what's Salt Lake like I've never even yeah man it's it's small talent. man it's really small it's like growing this? it's smaller than this oh, wow. yeah it's smaller than Charlotte for sure it's growing in the same way that Charlotte's growing um, a little bit more slowly a little bit slower but uh, Salt Lake was cool because I was there for such a long time and I could really like meet people and um, meet the right people to kind of navigate to the city you know like how long you're there is tough like you know we've been here just trying to figure out Charlotte um, for most of the year um, so the year's it's done hard, it's, the year's done it's hard to like judge it because we literally been trying to figure out you know where to be how to, how to move in the city yes um, but I would have to say that this, the two Canadian cities, Vancouver and Toronto, it's mm. just like what they're doing up in Canada. It's different. It's different. It's very international. And it's so funny because when I first got drafted, the only thing I said was, All right, I don't want to play in Salt Lake <laughs> and I don't want to play in Canada. And those are the only wow. places, you know what I mean? And those two places opened my eyes. It's almost like I was meant to go there just right. so I could kind of right. get that perspective. But. Right. I say Toronto at the top. <laughs> yeah, even th- even though it was just one year. Yeah, that one year, you know, those people, it was just, you know, diverse. And I, I mean, you know, yeah. it was dope. But yeah, I mean, it's facts about staying, how long you stay, because this is my third year in a row moving. Right. And I mean, even Philly too, I feel like I didn't even dive into Philly like that. It was a good time, probably... Cause I lived in the streets, like hang out with the MLS guys and stuff a little bit. Like that's why they made, they made it a good time. But it was a big city. But I feel like I didn't even touch nothing. And then the year was done. Moved out. Pittsburgh flew by, and we didn't live in the city. And Pittsburgh lived outside of free housing, so it's like ten minutes outside. But no one lives downtown. It's all commercial and real estate. So you live in like the outskirts. But yeah, bro. And then here. That's why I had had to get that stipend, had to just, I was like, you know what, I'll make some coaching, I'll do something, but I have to live in the city. There's no way I'm doing free housing anymore. Yeah. And that just changed my perspective on the city. I feel like if I was in Matthews near the stadium with the rest of the guys, like where you were at first <laughs> to start, I forgot you were even out there. Uh, sometimes I forget, man, but that was different. Like, you know, it didn't even hit me that I was out there, out there until it started getting sunny out. Mm. And I was like, yo, like, we should go get That's lunch, true. talking to Elise, like, we should go get lunch. Uh, do something we're like ain't nowhere to go like, <laughs> where do we go we gotta push all the way downtown like alright well we gotta get around to maybe younger more more things happening uh, it's just about finding what, you, what you're comfortable with really but yeah man the south has its own um, has its own little uh, you know things that you just gotta you gotta get used to and navigate and especially in today's society it's it's tough so it's that. tough I mean it is still the south at the end of the south. day like we are in the little outskirts of the city the vicinity so I mean you might not feel it as much because it's still a young area where we live at right. but when you go to certain places even up north near university area and how like it's just like they're trying to gentrify the area up there and like you know push people out and things and it's just different everywhere you go in the little corner pockets of the city but yeah, I mean, it, it, I feel like we we all also look at it, at it through a different telescope, being prof, like professional athletes too. You know, like they might <clears throat> appreciate what we do more because we're athletes. But if we weren't athletes, like how would it be? What would that look like? Mm-hmm. That's something I think about every day, man. 
because the conversation changes completely when you drop that. And that's why I don't even like dropping it. I just want to see, what, you know, how you're moving without that. Mm-hmm. Without. Mm-hmm. Like, like from hello, my name is Aaron. Mm-hmm. Where where does that conversation go? Yeah, that's why when most people, even from multiple cities I've lived in, like, ask me what do I do, I just moved out here for work. Right. Unless you've physically asked me, like, all right, you want to dive into it? Like, sure, I'll dive into it with you. But, like, I'm just here for work, and then we can go off that and, and just have a normal conversation and see where that takes us, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's important for sure. That's important for sure. Mm. How do you compare both of these leagues, though, from your, your perspective? Oof. Yeah, man, that's a that's a good question. I'll give um, you a sec to think about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. I mean, the MLS is at a point right now where it's like a, a well-tuned machine, um, and the purpose of the MLS. From, from my perspective, which is greatly, obviously, a player perspective rather than, you know, front office or anything like that. Um, grow, one, grow the sport in America. They want to be the best league. <clears throat> they want to be the best league by, I can't remember what the date was, like 2020-something. 20, 20 mm. Oh, they um, have a date for it, too? Yeah, I remember they, was, they would say, like, yeah, we want to be, like, top, top four leagues by 2025 in the world. In the world. That's their goal. And that's not the USL's goal. Like, I don't know that I've never heard that ex- uh, expressed, you know what I mean? So just like the way that they're approaching things is completely different. And, and with like a lot of the farm teams, um, so to speak, the, you know, your Red Bull twos and your Atlanta twos and your Bethlehems that are tied with um, MLS teams. And for their USL teams, they're just looking to produce and give guys games and get experience and in my opinion I think that they should be looking to sell these guys to generate money because yeah. it seems like that that's that is the blue the blueprint now is where is. you know you have all these academy academies and coming from a situation like Vancouver you know we had a guy like Alfonso Davies who you know has been especially this week has been real relevant to right. what he just did to the US right, um, right, right. and a situation like that where you have a kid one kid out of this entire academy where there's hundreds of kids and then one kid gets sold for whatever it was um, you know 20 million for I can't remember what the number was but he then pays for the entire academy exactly. and so exactly. you know you keep doing that um, your return on investment is going to get kind but of I feel crazy. like we're not doing that here and especially in the MLS like still veteran league getting international players bringing them here but instead of like I mean, they do signing homegrowns, but not giving these homegrowns kids a chance. Like Isaac, per so. se. Like, uh, yeah. other, like, bro, even a lot of kids that I've met through my years, like, like being in Bethlehem, too, and just like other teams. Even in Richmond, we were partners with DC United. There's so many DC United kids that I, like Colin Martin, pitch from Minnesota United now, but he's still barely just getting any time. I mean, just a bunch of young kids that even, like, I'm glad Durkin got out of there and, like, went out um, to a different situation, but there's been a bunch of kids that I've known who... I feel like are not getting a fair young chance when they should be getting a chance. Just even coming off the bench is still a good opportunity. Work their way in, then you just sell them and you get some money off of it. And that's what like even like Porto or just like other small Atletico, smaller clubs do that and they get their money back. PSV, mm-hmm. all them, all these clubs, and they get the return on investment. Yeah, but I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I think that 
it's a little bit in transition, so it's it's tough with some clubs compared to other clubs. But in Salt Lake, the homegrowns were getting tons of play. Like that whole Salt Lake team is just, or at least half that Salt Lake team is homegrowns. It feels like, and they're doing well. Um, really coming into her own, which is real cool to see. Rebels does it too. Right, and the same with Vancouver, you know, there was 15-year-olds on our team last year that was playing, you know, with us a lot, so. um, I don't know, I mean, the the USL has been very, a lot of it is people trying to figure themselves out. Um, You know, you have a lot of newer coaches, um, and you have, like, a lot of established coaches, like, you know, our coach is established, um, but you also have, like, young Coaches that are just trying to figure out their style of play within, you know, the framework of their entire club. You have young players trying to figure themselves out, trying to get games. You even have young refs. Uh, and then you even have, on top of that, you got young fans, like fans that haven't are in places that haven't really been exposed to football and at a high level and are just trying to figure out the games themselves and understand, you know, what to appreciate. It's funny when you go to all these different places and you see what fans react to. It used to be like... <laughs> it used to be like, uh, as a defender, someone would kick the ball high in the air and the whole crowd's like, yeah, boot it, like, <laughs> kick it. Like, they're <laughs> loving it. Where now you see, like, you know, I've noticed more sophisticated fans appreciate, you know, playing out of the back. They appreciate um, the fluidity of the game and, our, and the different nuances that come with football and that, you know, that we see, obviously, but it might not be as apparent to other people. So I didn't even think about that. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's just two two different leagues in two different stages, and um, it's been a little bit. It was a tough, kind of a tough adjustment um, from from that sense for sure. But yeah, is the game slower? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the quality's they, they, a little. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely you know a second league in terms of the quality. There's, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think it's far. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it's far at all, and I don't think it's. Um, player ability per se as much as it is like the whole collective organiz- like the whole collective system mm-hmm. um, and then with he- and with this league you're seeing you're seeing turnover that you wouldn't see in the MLS like um, you know like this year alone we've had tons of tons of guys you know and it's just that's just the nature of you're getting low knees you're getting this is the most turnover I've even dealt with really? bro like this has been like at least a full roster change halfway through the season. The amount of players that we've had here, even if it's on loan still, at least over 10 maybe. Like, yeah. And we still only have like 18 guys on the team, 18 field players. It's difficult, man. It's, it's very difficult. The, the, um, the end goal focus is different. Man. So, but what do you think? I mean, I don't think it's far off either. I think, I mean, the quality might be there. It just really comes down to just decision-making and to your technical ability, just, like, the simplicity of it, you know, your touch and things like that. Really just decision-making. Like, there's a bunch of young players in this league still, and they're growing and stuff, but you see in, like, all the older veteran teams in, like, uh, Tampa mm-hmm. or, like, a Louisville or something that can actually just play and move the ball. Like, they spend money on the players. Like, there's a... From my perspective, there's a lot more money into the league and there's quality everywhere. Like, this is the strongest the East has ever been mm-hmm. in this league. I say that every single year, but this is, this, this, yeah, this league is crazy how strong it is. I can't even tell you. Back in my my first year in Richmond, we won on a 25-game unbeaten streak. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Finished second. 
But like the league was like only top four, and everybody else was like, yeah, nobody. Mm-hmm. But now, like even we, I told y'all like on last episode, like I thought 100 playoffs and just no. everything, yeah. championships, yeah. yeah. I mean, but I mean, I got to see firsthand how coaches' impact and their style like can really affect the team, and how or they can drain the team, or how you know a culture of a team that's you know already set where new guys coming in to this culture that's already been set and we're all coming from different standpoints and different coaches that we've been from and trying to combine it all I just feel like there's a lot of coaches in the locker room and stuff too yeah um but yeah it's been just an interesting ride with both different coaches it's the first time that's happened for me so to see one coach who calls you all, all off season last year Jim mm-hmm. Telling you like he knew everything, fifteen different plays, from throw-ins, from goal kicks, from if they want to sit back, if they want to press, I like, got it all. I got, bro, I believe that. I was like, oh my gosh, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. And then even in preseason with only nine people here, he's like, don't worry, I got guys coming in. Like, my dude knows what he's talking about, bro. Like it's whatever. I got all these. Dudes. Yo, you were here. All these dudes here. Like, it's whatever. We're going to get this sorted. Even when we're losing, we're going to get this sorted. But just nothing was changing. The same mistakes over and over. And you can't expect different results from that. And then he just showed, like, how young he was. And it's cool. And then, like, Mike I've known for a while. But I've never, you know, been under Mike. Mike's brought me here as well. And then Mike, I've heard about him before in the style of coaching. But to see that and to see, even when we're losing for months, just the way... Way he ran things as well was just interesting and different too. But yeah, I mean, sometimes you can have all the pieces of a puzzle and not put it together, and we can only do so much. That's we can only true. control so much. We had, I feel like they've both of them had every single piece of the puzzle in every position almost. And so, like we, like I said, we can only do so much, you know. Yeah, it's funny because like early on in my career, I was like, I could not understand. Why, why they would let coaches go first? I couldn't get it. I'm like, but it's the players out there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. it's us out there yeah. doing it. Like, why? Right. We, why is everyone blaming these coaches? Right. Right. Um, but I mean, but then playing for a guy like Jason Christ, um, who I played for in Salt Lake, and you was the first time I ever saw um, that. Like the the team has completely the coach's personality and the way that they play and the way that they think and like even the way that they um, approach the game in terms of like you'll see like one team or you see like a team that has a coach at the beginning of the year and they're the type of team that's like very nice and like if someone goes down on the other team they'll kick the ball out of bounds and stuff and then the next coach will come in and the whole thing will just like shift and that coach might, might not feel that way and yeah. Yeah. Even if he doesn't say it explicitly, explicitly, you see, like, you feel like, mm-hmm. all right, that's not the standard here. Mm-hmm. Um, we felt, the, I felt that instantly when Mike and, J- and uh, Jim kind of switched, like, the difference. And, I mean, we went on an eight-game beating on eight or nine, and, like, yeah, it was high spirits then. Yeah. It was all, we were all on the high horse yeah. until that break. I know. Momentum well, is, is a hell of a thing, bro. Hell of a thing. <laughs> Momentum is one of them things that, uh... It's underappreciated. I'm talking about goals conceded that I've never seen in my life. Yeah, no, that's not us. It definitely is not us. And, and you know, and the I felt bad for the fans that were showing up, man, because 
there we had a loyal a loyal fan base for sure and I know we lost some too but yeah they still yeah. come out yeah and support though yeah man uh, and that too that is that also was a big difference in between the two leagues so I remember I was on a I was on a that Toronto team that I was on was I remember our captain came out like maybe 12 games in the in the year does an interview and this dude gets on there and they're like you know guy named Danny Cooperman's this Dutch dude. <laughs> he was a DP. He's like, they're like, yo, so, you know, just talk to us. What do you, what do you think? What? He's like, I don't know. I don't know what anymore. He said, we're fighting to be the worst team in the world. <laughs> like, we were, we started the season 0-9. Like, we wow. didn't win a game. And I'm in my first professional environment like, is this normal? Like, what is going on? People are fighting, you know, come from college, people are fighting in practice, like throwing hands in practice is, type of stuff. And I'm like, wow. Like, this is in Toronto? This is in Toronto. <laughs> you know, like fights on a daily basis. Like, and the coaches and the, and the coaches were sitting there like, let them go, let them figure it out. And I'm sitting there <laughs> like, wow. You what? know, but, this, but at the end of that season, you know, it being such a tough season, our fans literally would show up to these games and they have uh, paper bags over their heads and oh, the eyes cut out you know like I real fan like fans upset like That's it means everything crazy. to these to these you know these fans and um whereas like here it's like there's a little bit of forgiveness there and they understand that you know the growing pains whereas there's not there's not that leeway really mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, no it's an older club no it's a Farm team and there's right. no second division. Yeah. Yeah. Man. I mean, Cincinnati, when they were here, they averaged like 30K a game. That's crazy. In the USL. That's there's crazy. no question they're going to MLS. 30K from the first year they came, I was like 25 from the jump. 2025 from the jump. <laughs> from the first year. First year they came. <laughs> That's incredible because 20, like there's MLS teams that don't, they weren't even getting that. Yeah, in Cincinnati's football, it was, it was, yeah, it was crazy. But last year's game, we were in Pittsburgh, I was in Pittsburgh, we were up 1-0-2 at their place, all the way up until like the 80th minute. Then they had, uh, what's my Ford's name from Portland? Fernando Adi. <laughs> <laughs> they signed him like, beginning of last year, halfway through the year. It's uh-huh. MLS, getting ready for this year. Yeah. Came on, 75th minute, just like a super sub FIFA. <laughs> Came on, it was like a clearance. We played five in the back, so three center backs. Uh-huh. But at this point, I'm trying to think of the first goal. This, this, this is a fast forward to the second goal. It's 1-1. Uh-huh. And at this point, you know uh, Ben Zemanski, Portland yeah. Timbers? He was yeah. on our team too. Okay. So Ben Zemanski decides to take a free kick. He's like the eight. So if I'm the right center back, Joe Greenspan, you know Joe Greenspan? Yeah. Yeah, he's playing with me too. He's in the middle of the three center backs. And my other dude told me on the far left. He's way wide. So we're spread out because he's from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Uh-huh. Because Zemanski's uh, um, about to play this ball. He's one on the ball, about to play it long or pass to one of us on the side. That's where we're spread out. Hits it, goes right to the center mid on their team, Cincinnati. <laughs> Counterattack now. So Adi's in between Greenspan and Zemanski, right? Uh-huh. Plays him a through ball. So it's two of them on one. So I don't, I don't feel like I need to go in triple team because there's a guy coming. Big mistake. <laughs> So he's right there, they get, he gets the ball right outside the, the circle, takes Greenspan on, Greenspan comes on, like gives him a little body, chops it, Zemanski comes, bro, he just, damn, on my 
chops it again, slots it, and finish it 2-1. Game over. I was like, wow. Yeah. Fans going crazy. I was like, 34K. Uh-huh. <laughs> True MLS atmosphere. I wow. hilarious. Because I, I used to remember, because when I was playing for Salt Lake, we'd always have battles with Portland. And they would be like, they were our big rivals. Mm. Um, we actually played them in like a Western Conference final. And like, there was just a lot of, we saw them a lot over the course of the year. playing, you know, however many times a year. And I remember just battling with Adi just 90 minutes, man. Like, he is a big dude, you know what I mean? Like, and I just remember at the end of the game, he just looks at me, he's like, good stuff. I'm like, oh, dog, you really enjoy <laughs> battling. Like, I you know. really enjoy it. Wow. <laughs> Bro, one time he had, they played a, a long ball. He's on top of the 18, playing the ball straight to his chest, and like, he's pulling something on me. He's like, no, I can just battle a little bit, you know, play basketball, you battle him, pull a little bit. <laughs> Bro, like, I was trying to battle him, didn't even move him, came, throw it off the chest, bro, with me on his back. I was like, all right, you're not going to disrespect me like that. Yeah, two-headed shoving. Had to. But yeah, bro. Where is he at now? Where is he? Is he still in Cincy? He's still in Cincy. Still in Cincy. But is he even playing? They're struggling. I think he's still playing, but. Hmm. I haven't really been on it like I should be. No. You watch uh, the U.S.-Canada game? I didn't. You didn't watch it? Um, I watched, like. The first half. Yeah, I didn't um, watch the first half, too. I didn't watch the second half. I didn't watch the first half. Um, it just looked bad, though, in general. Just... Yeah. I mean, what I will say um, is that when I saw that Bearhalter got the job, I was... You, you know him, right? Uh, not personally, uh, nothing like that, but I've played against him, a num- uh, against his teams a number of times, and his format, his system is solid. Like, mm. his system is one of the toughest systems I've ever played against. When those Columbus teams, uh, they would spread you out wide. Um, a trap would come in the middle. So they, it would, they would spread out like a three on offense and they would put their outside backs high, high, high to the point where they're the ones, they're, one, they're playing balls over top to the outside, the wing backs almost. Mm. You know what I mean? So it was, just, it was just a formation that you could tell that all these cats that played under him knew exactly they could they could do it with a blindfold they they could you know they know exactly where to be exactly where to play it to where it's just like click 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 and with a national team it can work but you know you got guys coming from germany you got guys coming from yeah. mls you got yeah. guys coming from max you know all over and, and you only have what two weeks in camp it's tough mm-hmm. especially to retrain people out of thinking the way they think for their mm-hmm. own clubs it's just like so i think that his stuff is going to take time and um, time is not always afforded, so. Not on your side either. Not, with, the, not with the loss to Canada like that. Mm, and good to Canada. Canada moved the ball well. And they just, one of the goals is just sloppy. It's just all right. But you see the goals? I didn't even see the goals. No, one of them was just, um, Stefan tried to clear off the line. When right, Davies was right there, tapped it oh, off. I did see that, actually. I did see that, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, nah, I just felt like it was lethargic and nah, it was not a good sign. I mean, we should be making steps forward at least. Yeah. That there's no longevity there. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, but Canada got some players. I don't know why. People have been sleeping on Canada. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. believe they yeah. haven't been. What was the stat? Like, they hadn't beat the U.S. It's 1980-something. I think this young generation for them is nice. It's coming up. They have a good amount of MLS. 
Davies, what's his name from LAFC? I played in the USL for Louisville. Gotta give it, yeah. And Kyle yeah, Aaron. Did he? I don't even think he played. He didn't even go, but yeah, yeah I still have him. Uh, yeah, they got some young cats, and they got some older cats that are just ballers. Like, you got, um, like, your Tebas and all these guys that have been around. Um, but it's crazy because when I was in Vancouver, my center back partner, um, one of the guys that would play center back with me was Daniel Henry. Um, he's still in Vancouver, but national team guy. And with all those Canadians in the locker room that were there last year, you had Davies, um, Daniel Henry, uh, you had Russell Tybert. Uh, just like all these guys that were just excited about the future of Canadian. Like when mm. I say like excited, yeah. they would talk about it every day. Like can't wait for it because you know once they got the once we got the bid and they knew the World Cup was coming to Canada, they're like, yo, we're in the World Cup. Oh shit! This is us. Like we could really do something here. And uh, and I think that you're slowly starting. And then you have a coach who was excited, and their their national team coach was calling these guys every. Like on on like a weekly basis, just updating, telling him mm-hmm. like the plans and where they're at and the process of the national team. So they really see that's different then. Yeah, and they've all they've all been playing with each other for years now. Like that, like every Canadian soccer player player knows every other Canadian soccer player. Like it's a small, it's even smaller than the community in the states. So, but it's even I feel like stronger still in a sense because they might not have. All the sports that we have, but soccer is still, I feel like, the number one sport out there. It's inter- inter- very international in Canada, too, so yeah. they understand the game and appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, besides hockey, yeah. It's, like, right there. So, and that, and you see the same thing with, like, like, Kevon would tell you that all, like, the Trinidad and national team, all them cats, like, when I play for the 17s with Trinidad, it's the same cat, it's the same group of guys that are playing for the national team there now, so... You know, these guys aren't coming in here scared. They played the U.S. a thousand times. You know, they, they've been here. They've seen it. Like, they grew up in it, and it's not it's nothing. They're just out there playing. They did their thing. A hundred percent, so. Mm. Um, I just think we have, it's kind of it's kind of backwards here. Like, with this pay-to-play system. And Andrew made a good point way earlier on my other show. He's like, he doesn't think that there's that good of an eye here, a scouting eye right. for talent in America like that, like, we might look at the athletic ability and the size of a person, but not necessarily the technical abilities in their brain per se. When the rest of the, not the rest of the world, but I mean, especially in Europe and other countries and stuff, and even like the Spanish countries, like they have a good eye of talent because it's not necessarily we're we're coming from other sports as well. But that, it might have hurt us in the sense where we're now looking for athletic players or we, we favor athletic players over someone who's just very technical and might not be the biggest or you know the fastest or anything but because of his ability he's able to ball and they're not given the opportunity or there's it's a sense where the kid might be talented enough but he can't even afford to do it and so we've had oh, generations one generations of generations of kids who still might have been interested, even like minority kids might have might have been interested. I'm not. I'm talking about like Spanish kids as well. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure they've grown up with it in their backyard, but like they cannot afford that. So it's like, all right, well, back to my nine to five. Yeah. But if they were given the opportunity, how it is like in other countries, where if you're just good enough and you can ball, you can ball. Then that's how it should be. You think it's getting better or worse? Uh, now that it's aware aware of it. Slowly, like in Philly, if you're good enough, they'll just give you a scholarship and you can sure. just go to the school free. But that's just, I'm sure Red Bull is the same way, but it's not everywhere. But that's 
that's just a high MLS academy, okay, but the average kid isn't going. The average kid is playing regular club soccer. That's just what I did. But I was fortunate enough for my parents to be able to afford it. But the average kid cannot. And so, like I said, yeah, we just are missing ways of that talent. And because of it, because of not making the World Cup, I feel like it's more aware now. Still struggling now, like it's becoming more aware. And there's some nonprofits like the Eagles, who I coach, mm-hmm. they're a nonprofit organization. Richmond was too. Okay. They get their money from the youth system, but the youth system's paying so much where they're able to do it like that. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it, the whole thing changes when academies, when you got academies that can identify and then pay for everything. Junk used to be expensive as hell. Yeah. When I think about it now, I'm like, man, I don't know how my parents did that. I don't even know. One of my boys back home, his RH, has a kid in middle school now, single father. Mm -hmm. His son wants to play soccer and all these sports. Playing soccer is 2K a month for him. No, come on, 2K a month on top of your kid going to school. Nah. That's rent, like. I mean, that's just what I'm saying. Where's the money supposed to come from? (laughs) Where's it supposed to come from? That's crazy. I know in basketball, with a little basketball background too, like when you make it to the NBA, you make it overseas and stuff, you usually fund the money back. Cause there's more money in basketball. Yeah. Usually, you usually know, dump the money back, create your own AAU team right. and create it. And that's why like, like when I play, I didn't pay for anything after like sixth, seventh grade, shoes, travel to like Vegas twice, okay. travel to Orlando for the Disney tournament yeah. and stuff. Like wasn't paying for anything, jerseys, nothing. Right. But like that's why I was more money, but it was because like like KD is funding money to DC. Mm-hmm. Beasley, his my uncle was or his uncle was my coach, so be, my uh, Beasley, you know, is funding money into the teams. But like I think soccer not necessarily is doing it per se. Where you know when we make it to I mean MLS isn't that doesn't have a lot of money like that, but there's still not being money just dumping back. Yeah into creating opportunities for kids to just if you're talented enough to go I know I know like I'd love to create something like that but and I just yeah, there needs to just be opportunities for kids to just be able to just play and play right I mean maybe sponsors like Adidas and Nike can hook that up too and just you know I mean it can but it's a, it's a slow and steady process yo like when you see football is kind of hurting itself now with the new generation of parents it's a 30% decline in football with the new generation of parents. And the, and the increase is going to other sports like soccer, lacrosse, mm-hmm. and stuff like too. Like, so because of CTE and we're aware of that now, like the tide's slowly shifting. Soccer's trying to grow. You see the attendance and things like that. The salary cap is probably going to go up too. So it's slowly getting there. But yeah, there needs to be opportunities. It's, it's so funny because like, Back home, like the the park that I I started playing in was right down the street, and in the corner was like the basketball court, and that used to be the court. Like it was always popping. I would always go over there after playing just to kick it, like because mm-hmm. um, it was just like a place where everyone was just hanging out. And I go back, and that court is in the like it's pretty run down, pretty abandoned right now, and no one's really messing with it like that. But it's like, what if, what if we could change that into like a little right. soccer court? Easy. What would, what would that look like? Right. Like, what would that? How would the neighborhood respond to that? Like, would it, would they show out? Because I come from a, a very Caribbean neighborhood. Like, it's like all my friends were Caribbean American, um, Jamaican, you know, Bayesian, whatever it was, Trinidadian, whatever it was, 
it was very multicultural. It's like they weren't, you know, basketball wouldn't be the first sport in that neighborhood. Right, right. You know? Right. Um, so what would that look like if all the, you know, all these abandoned courts and tennis courts that no one uses in these parks and stuff like that would turn into like little, little 100% has you know cage like you remember the cage commercials <laughs> we used to have that back at home for me too it was just tennis courts are in a cage you just switch it and play the long way and play soccer that right. bro simple that Fine. has to happen yeah. has to happen get your touch it has to be in. just as easy bro there's places in the midwest a lot of places still like in Nebraska I forget who I was talking to down here those places out there in the midwest and the south like they don't even have high school soccer still in like Nebraska. Just imagine that. They don't even have high school soccer <laughs> because they don't care about it. Football is just that big where it's like what they play the same season. Or one of the parents were telling me the soccer season in like Alabama. Oh, that's, oh, that's what soccer season like Mississippi, Mississippi, Alabama is like in the wintertime. So playing in the snow because football is just overriding it and they don't want to go into baseball which is in the spring only window they have is the wintertime so these kids are playing in feet of snow just to play soccer where is this? this is in like Alabama, Mississippi Jesus the far south where SEC is dominating and you go to like Montana, Nebraska like all the Midwest states bro like they're not even playing the game or it's just now coming around when the funding's able for like the junior and seniors come play soccer a little bit like it's 2019 now. Yeah. That's where soccer is just is not in people's eyes yet. People don't really care about not I mean, it's growing, but not the general population cares about that yet. And that's where I mean, national team plays a role with our we're not having success, we don't have a star like that maybe. But there's a lot of reasons that are into that. Then your T V rights, like you even heard I was doing some research like last year or so. Disney owns ESPN. Walt Disney way back didn't like soccer and so he pushed soccer to the side made sure ESPN just never showed soccer that's way back when it just started and you go into now and you still do not see soccer like that bro and this has been going on I've been complaining in the back of my head I've been complaining about this since college when we used to watch ESPN every single day but I still don't see it now and it's not that hard to put a little 30 minute segment maybe an hour instead of replaying these same football and baseball shows like over and over or different analysts talk about the same subject but two different people talking about it. like that's cool I get it but just, do, just give soccer a little segment but they don't even know about the own major league team here in this country yeah. let alone talk about it they just joke about it or talk, put it on sports center top 10 or some cool bicycle kick or something <laughs> and that's that like, yeah, I get the only highlights here is Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, of course, a lot of <laughs> international plays. Right? And I, I get that too, but like, we need to grow this here and appreciate it some more and put it on a global scale. And that's what people, you know, actually start wanting to learn the game. Like, it's just what kid if the sport of soccer is not on TV, what kid is gonna want to play if it's not cool like that? I was just thinking. It's just showing like, like. You see basketball and other sports all the time. And that's probably why I even want to start it. I was playing neighborhoods neighborhoods with my boys. And I was like, yeah, let me just pick up a ball and start. But it's on TV. Like, I love the Lakers growing up. Like, Shaq and Kobe and their dad. I remember crying when my mom, I was in trouble one night. And I couldn't watch the finals. And she was like, I, I, I can't watch it late night. I was, yeah. <laughs> but it's on TV all the time. So it's cool. But no kid, I mean, if it's not on TV like that. Or it's cool in their eyes. Or like, even going to want to play. That's why people just joke about it all the time. I played basketball, so like I was cool enough with certain people in high school, cool with the basketball and football crowd because of basketball. Mm-hmm. But soccer, like, 
I was just like the soccer boy out there, you know what I mean? Which is cool, but y'all was just a soccer boy, a soccer boy. Sometimes you get made fun of because like they think you just kick the ball. But it's always, the joke is always going to be there. Yeah. But yeah, it needs, it needs to change. No, that's, I mean, that whole, that whole mindset has played out. Like, it's almost like, I feel like it's changing because the thing about basketball is that these cats are immersed in pop culture. Like, they are part of the culture. You know what I mean? Like, like we almost need like someone just to take you know, take one for the team, like a soccer player, just like Dana Kardashian or something, so we can get some. That is so, very like, true. You know that what I mean? True. Like, that is very true. You know, very, these guys are household names. And, uh, that is very true. Like a Tristan Thompson, who's just like I don't even know he was ranked in high school, but went to Texas, and then all of a sudden that Kardashian, yeah, right. now he's a household name, like forever. Yeah. Yeah, like crazy. like my girl ain't watching basketball, but she knows Tristan Thompson. Like she like you know, like <laughs> mm. it's just um, mm. yeah man. Mm. It was, it'll take some time, but I think mm. that you know they're starting to get it. Like what was that gunner that uh, that colors video with gunner mm. with the event? Like these guys are starting to wear the jerseys and appreciate the culture. You need an American person now to be people to be repping twenty four seven. Yeah, I mean, like, like, Pulis is getting there, he's growing. But for, for a pop culture, per se, to be, like, MTV videos or, like, them stunting. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, people tune in to see, like, like what is Russ it? is wearing into yes, the games. Yes, like, yes. So who is that? Yeah, I don't know, man. It'll come, though. I mean, that stuff kind of just happens naturally, I'm sure. Especially Do you feel like there's a... A culture in soccer, like, uh, like, yes, there's different cultures with like international players and stuff, but like, soccer's culture from the different locker that locker rooms that you've been in, you know, like, being African American in the sport, being black, doing this, and like a lot of us don't do this and stuff. Do you think the culture is missing in in a sense like basketball, football, and other sports that you see it vividly and people like thrive off of it and stuff, but not necessarily. Especially here in the states, is it like that? And before, it used to be like a rich white sport too. So yeah. like it was a predominantly, and it still is per se a predominantly white sport like that. It's besides like some international players, it is growing, but like you still don't really see blacks playing it, the sport like that. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. That's that's definitely part of it because like what was what was football and basketball back in the day other than like a, a tool to get out of the, their current situation. And yeah. soccer, so th- there, there's the ties there. Like, if you have, you know, success or like a route to success, so tied in with one culture, um, and that's not a great thing, but you know, it is what it is. Um, if you have that so intertwined, then of course the culture is going to rub off, and vice versa, it's going to be mixed within. But in this country, uh, soccer's never really been. Um, a way to get out right um, right or like a you know the first choice to get out right. like never you know so people aren't really you know focused on it like oh yeah it's a european thing they don't really play here i'm not gonna i'm not gonna come from you know dorchester massachusetts and and play soccer and, and you know have that be my way and that's what i mean that's why it's important for me to get back in the community and like just tell my story because i know there's kids sitting there like man I gotta take. I gotta. You know, there's a there's a little use in there. Like has yeah. a basketball on one yeah. hand, has a soccer ball on another yeah. hand. Yeah. Who who seriously, might need that? Seriously, guy, seriously. Who might need that example? You know what seriously, I mean? Bro. So, I don't want people to be scared of it. Like by the time you know, kids these days are of age, ten years from now, just, you know, they're gonna be making 
stupid money. And we got to be in the spotlight, driving stupid cars and all the stuff that young kids want to do. You know what I mean? So uh, I think it's just going to take a little bit more time and exposure. Yeah, definitely more exposure. That's why I do this show, too, and just continuously just shine a light on what we do, us, per se. I mean, who would have thought that we'd be here right now doing this kind of thing, you know? Um, Not me, dog. Exactly, bro. That's why I like... Got cameras now this year too with the YouTube channel and stuff, just trying to shine a light and constantly show that like we're different people just doing what we love and our passion and stuff. And I mean, facts too about the two different sports. Like, I was literally one decision. Like, my parents can tell you they still thought I played basketball right now in college over soccer. Like, my mom was basketball being from New York, my dad's Jamaican, so he's soccer. But really, have both of them pulling on me my whole life, bro. <laughs> my whole life, and I really thought it was ball. But my high school. Coach, he ruined it for me. My private school high coach, like, he just, it wasn't fun right. at all. And that took the love of my AU coach was all love, bro, and that's where I was getting recruited at. So I still play my senior, I didn't play senior year high school ball in high school, oh, really? but I played my senior year still AU, my very last year. I like, went up to Cincinnati, went to some tournaments on the loves because I loved it. But yeah, bro, I was supposed to do that, but yeah, it wasn't necessary. If, if I feel like if my dad maybe wasn't Jamaican or was, maybe was from here in the States, I probably wouldn't even have touched soccer at all. Having a Caribbean influence and all that. Yeah, but I didn't know you reached such a high level in basketball, man. Do we have a bet on a one-on-one game? I'm going to have to take that drink back. No. <laughs> I didn't even know. <laughs> oh, oh, man. man. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, my G. I appreciate you coming. Of course, bro. Yo, I love G. We gotta do this, I think we got to do this more often. Bro. Yeah, that was dope. Yeah, that, was cool. that was real dope. Vibes, music, all that. Yeah. <laughs> appreciate y'all for following. Um, Backyard Footy is also brought to you by the Roughneck Scars and the Golden Gold Press. Brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network Us podcast. That's bgn.fm on the, in, on the internet. You can also follow them on Twitter at the bgn.fm. Thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press. The best choice for your set of custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items or just your yourself or your organization check out their amazing products at for a fraction of the price at goldengoldpress.com and also thank you to roughneck scarves get custom scarves for your group at roughneckscarves.com appreciate y'all